0: All right. How's everybody doing this morning? Good? Everybody awake, ready for the week? I hope so. I'm excited to get to speak to you guys today. Pastor is out on a little vacation with his family, so I get the privilege of speaking to you guys this morning. I'm excited about it. So we are starting a new series. We're going to jump right in uh, on fully loving family. So how many of you would say that you have some family that's hard to love? anybody okay all right good so we're all in the same place just to start off that's okay that's good now I want to start off there because let's be honest for a moment we start talking about being the family of God how many of you realize there's some people that are hard to love sometimes okay how many of you realize we're the people that are hard to love sometimes okay like let's just be honest let's just start there it's always their fault but the truth is it's usually not right See, we talk a lot about family in the church. It's a word that you'll hear a lot here. We use it a lot. Welcome to the family. We have different things like that because why? God has called us to be a family. Here's the beautiful thing about family. When you're family, you're family. Like you don't get to decide when you're not family anymore. You guys ever, like you heard people say that? Like my kids, okay? uh, Anybody ever have kids, siblings, brothers, whatever, and they get mad at each other. It's like, fine, you're not my brother anymore. Like, you can say that all you want, but you still are, right? That's the thing about family. Like, just because you're mad doesn't make you not family anymore. And I think it's really important that we understand that in the church. Just because you've been hurt by the church doesn't make you not family anymore. You with me? Just because you walked through a hard time, just because somebody responded wrong to you or you responded wrong to somebody else doesn't mean you're not family anymore. It means we're human. All right. And I love the depiction of family that w- you see when you look throughout scripture. You always hear things about God the Father, right? He's our heavenly Father. Now, here's the thing I want to just break down a couple things for us really quick, just lay a little bit of groundwork as we start. Some of the ideas, when we start saying how we are a family, get confusing because how many of you realize that means four million different things in the culture that we live in today? And when we start talking about having a heavenly father, that also disconnects in so many different ways in the culture that we live in today. And sometimes it's hard to identify with some of those things because, I mean, let's be honest, depending on your family dynamic growing up, I'm supposed to be the family of God. Like, what does that mean? Because we all have a different reference point. So it's really important that we understand The family dynamic that God created us for is to be a loving family that truly accepts, embraces each other, no matter our differences, no matter the things that we don't like about each other. You with me? But how many of you realize family will love you even when you're wrong, but they're sure going to tell you about it? See, I think we lose that a lot of times when we start talking about we need to be loving. We can be loving and still be correctional at the same time. Now, I love my kids, but if I really love my kids, then that means I'm going to teach them the right thing. You with me? So I think that there's a huge importance to that. We start talking about being the family of God. There is a level of relationship that we, pr- that we possess as family that requires a level of honesty with each other. You can't really be family if you're not really going to be honest with each other right? I mean, let, let's start this way. How many of you guys have or had a friend, person who is so close to you, maybe another couple that you guys hang out with, and you're like family, right? You've had those people in your life. They're like family. They show up at your house. You have them over for dinner, and you guys are sitting at the table, and they just get up and go get their own drink, right? They don't ask you. Like, It's family. They do what they want, even though it's your house, that's because there's a level of relationship that allows that. You with me? Same time. Now, some of you guys will relate to this. We went to the St. Patrick's parade yesterday, uh, and <laughs> we're there, and my boys and the Shinkles boys uh, are running around wrestling and going crazy in the grass. And it was so funny because all of a sudden we started – getting onto each other's kids, right? You guys ever seen that? Now, you know, you've got to have a level of relationship before you get onto somebody else's kids, right? But how many of you realize that's a whole new level of relationship when they're like, if they do something wrong, you beat them, (laughs) okay? Don't really beat your kids, okay? I'm talking about like correctional spanking, okay? Anyway, (laughs) got to be really careful with my words on that conversation, okay? But no, here's the thing, right? Like, Not literally, okay? But a lot of times we get in these ideas and it's like, okay, you, if if they're doing something wrong, get on to them for me. Hey, guys, we need to understand, we often don't like when people correct us because we're doing something wrong, right? What do you mean I can't do that? What do you mean? Well, who are you to tell me how I should live my life, right? All of it, well, I should be able to make that decision. If we're really a loving family, then we need to be able to accept those differences, have a conversation, say, listen... You need to get this in order, in a proper conversational way. You with me? I want to jump into some scripture this morning, Luke 15. I love this portion of scripture. Uh, It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. It's the prodigal son. How many of you guys have heard that? Like four million times in the church, right? I want to dig through a few things with it this morning, uh, and and hopefully, hopefully bring a little bit different angle. So let's start Luke 15, verse 11 through 32 is the whole story, but I want to jump to verse 18. says, I will go home to my father and say, father, I have sinned against you and heaven and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Please take me as a hired servant. So he returned to his home and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son. He embraced him and kissed him. Now, I want to pause right there because I want us to understand something. God never stops looking for you. If you're taking notes, this is one of your blanks here. God never stops looking for us to turn to him so he can run to us. See, so often we're like, God, I mean, I just don't know if God really can love me through my situation. Right? I don't know if God can really love me after I've done this or gone here. Here's the thing. God is waiting for the moment that you turn to him so he can run to you. Like, he is waiting for it. And I love this story. It, and if you're taking notes and you want a title, here's my title for you. I'm sorry, I jumped right in and skipped right over that. But it's The Power of the Present. See, a lot of times we are so worried about what's coming, we miss the moment that we have. And I love this portion of scripture because when did the Father see the Son? A long way off. I believe the Father. Every day, I think he went about his chores, I think he went about his business, he did what he was doing that day, but I believe he was watching every day, waiting for the moment that sun would come back. I believe he was ready in that moment. He was going out, taking care of the cattle, looking at the horizon, just waiting for the moment. He saw him a long way off. Derek mentioned we had the bonfire last night, and out there, you can see a long way away. When we were waiting, I went early and got everything set up, and then the youth came and the buses, and they're calling like, okay, we're almost there. We're almost there. See, there was a point, though, where they turned onto the property, and I was at the top of the hill, and I could see them, but they couldn't see me yet. You with me? Because I was looking for them. They were trying to find the place, but I was looking for them. You with me? I believe that God is that same way with us. We're so busy trying to find our place sometimes. He's simply just waiting for us to look to him. And I believe that's a perfect depiction right here. I think that father was going about his business. He was going about his day. But every moment of his day, he was looking for the opportunity for his son. Are you using the opportunities that God's given you right now? Are we so busy trying to build a life and make something for ourselves that we miss the moments that are right in front of us? Are we really looking? You guys realize the majority of miracles that Jesus did didn't happen in a service. They happened in the interruptions in between. When he was on his way somewhere, he was on his way to town and a lame man intercepted it, right? He was on his way in and he saw a man at the gate. Let me ask you, when was the last time you were on your way, something, but you were so aware of what God was speaking and doing that you stopped what you were doing to carry the heart of God? I think we miss it a lot because we'll be at the gas station. Who can you help? The power in the present right now, where you are, who can you invest in? Parents, we're not all good at this. But let me just help you really quick. It is far more powerful for you to be there in the moment than for you to plan the big event. I'm telling you, if we can understand the power of being present at the moment, it begins to change the way we live our life because there is something that God has entrusted you and he has given to you to release to your world. And if we're so worried about what's coming, we miss the opportunity that we have right now. See, and I believe he goes on and he says, his son said to his father, exactly what he rehearsed. I love this. Father, I have sinned against both you and heaven. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But his father said to the servants, quickly bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf that we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine who was dead is now returned to life. He was lost, but now is found. So the party began. Now, I think there's something amazing right here. And I I, honestly, I didn't even read this before, but I believe there was such anticipation in the father for the son's return. Not only did he spend each day looking while he was working, But he was ready. Did you catch that verse? Get a ring for his finger. Get robes. Give him a robe, rings for his finger, and sandals for his feet. Kill the fattened calf or the calf that we have been fattening. He was ready. He knew when that moment comes... I don't want to have to wait to celebrate. When that moment comes, I don't want to have to gather everything. I know he's coming. I know it's here. And when it's here, I'm going to be ready. We need to celebrate that. How many times in your own life have you thought, God, if we can just get there, and God's like, I'm here, I'm ready, i got it all in line, right? We don't feel like it's there because we're showing up. God, if you'll just take me as a servant, right? And God's like, no, 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 get him a robe, get him a ring, get him sandals, Gild the calf. It, you're not a servant begging for the attention of the king. You are a son and a daughter with the loving heart of a father. <sighs> <sighs> See, there's something so significant. They had him get a ring. What? That doesn't sound like a huge thing, but you got to realize in that day, in that time, a ring was a big deal. A ring symbolized status. It symbolized worth. It symbolized value. Not only did he say, no, no, no. He didn't even address that the son wanted to just be a servant. He simply called him as a son and he clothed him as a son, and he empowered him as a son. We are the children of God. Are you with me? Stop spending so much time worrying. What if I miss it? What if I do the wrong thing? We worry so much about what might happen that we miss the moments that God's given us. Verse 25. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field working. And when he returned, returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants, what is going on? Your brother is back, he was told. And your father has killed the fattened calf. And we are celebrating because of his safe return. And the older brother was angry angry and wouldn't go in, guys, I want to pause because I want us to realize something, how many times as the family of God do we become frustrated when we see celebration in an area in somebody's life, well how come people don't treat me like that when I come in the front door? How come people don't rush to me like they rush to that person? How come people don't treat me the way that, right? And we start comparing all of these things back and forth. Well, why don't, how come people, don't, I mean, I remember when I first came here and people met me, they greeted me at the door. Now I walk in, nobody says a word. Because the first time you showed up, you were a guest. Now you're family. If I treated you like a guest, that means you wouldn't have the relationship of the family. Why do I not walk you to the coffee bar? Because you know where the coffee bar is. Go get a cup of coffee. Well, that's rude, is it? When you're at your house with that close friend and they want a cup of coffee and they just hand you their empty glass, what do you say? Get your own coffee. Right? We reduce that to this level of like, well, they don't really care. But no, I care about you so much. I expect you to be part of the family. I, ex- I love you so much, I expect to not have to coddle you, but to release you. Are you with me? And, and I, I'm not saying me when I say that. I'm saying us as family. When we become true family, we now support each other. We help each other. When we walk in and we see, hey, we've only got a couple people with greeting signs today. I'm sorry, Haley. I'm going to get yelled at for this, but. I've only got a couple people with greeting signs today. What about the new people that are coming? Hey, can I help? I'm here 15 minutes early. You know, normally I'm five, whatever. I had good traffic today. Praise God. Right? You got another sign. Can I help? Why? Cause we're family and we know somebody else is going to be a guest that walks in this door. Do you realize a guest that shows up at a church determines whether they're going to stay at that church, visit again in between seven to 10 minutes. That means Not based on how amazing the worship is, not based on the phenomenal altar call later, not based on the message they're going to hear, based on the people they're going to meet. We need to be the loving family that when someone walks in, they feel like family the moment they enter the door. See, there's something that stood out to me because I've always thought we carry that culture really well. I'm not saying that leg is a bad thing. It's true. That's where my story is going. But I always thought that. And I remember when, how many of you guys know Pastor Tabitha in our kids area? Before she came on staff with us, she's doing a great job over there. Before she came on staff, we were talking to her and she said, hey, I want to come experience a service. I'm just going to slip in the back unnoticed and then slip out right when service is over because I just want to see how things are going. I told her, I said, that's cool. But you're going to have a really hard time doing that with our culture. No, it'll be fine. I'll just show up a little bit late. I'll slip in. (laughs) I'm not even kidding you. Middle of the first song. She sent me a text. Yeah, I see what you mean. I've talked to like 35 people since I got here. Right? (laughs) That's family. It's I don't have any idea who you are. I don't have any idea what your background is, what your family dynamic is. But I love you because God loves you. I don't know you, but I love you. I don't care how you're dressed. I love you because God loves you. Are you with me? To be fully loving means there can't be a if in it. I'll love you if. That's not fully loving. In fact, that's not loving at all. That's self-serving. Because a lot of times we say, oh, I love you if you do this. No, you're actually never going to love that person because you're not talking to them from a place of love. You're talking to them a place of trying to get something from them. And if you're trying to get something from somebody, you're not truly loving that person because loving them is investing in them, whether they invest back or not. See, this is the thing that stood out to me so much about this. The son was out working and he saw the party go on and he came back mad that he wasn't in the party. Don't be so busy building your kingdom that you forget why you're building it. Did you hear me? Don't be so busy building your kingdom you forget why you're building it. Husbands, mm-hmm. wives, don't be so busy creating a great life for your family that you forget your family building the life. Parents, don't be so busy creating a great life for your kids. Your kids don't have family to spend it with. We're all guilty of it. I've done it. Dad, come play with it. I will in a minute. i got to finish this. Don't get me wrong. There's times that we have things we've got to do. Like kids also need to understand healthy boundaries. Okay? That's important too. That's that loving conversation that I talked about at the beginning. But there's also times we've got to be able to say, you know what? This can wait. What do you want to talk about? See, I believe that's so much God's heart for us as well. Anybody else ever like start praying and asking God, God, do this? Like, why? Would God? God's got all the problems in the world. Why would this mean something to God? Anybody ever thought that? I believe it's because God can is up there. He's like that can wait. What do you want? Some of of you in here need to understand, when you cry out to God, he's not busy God that, okay, I'll get to you in a minute. He's loving father that says, no, that can wait. What do you need, son? What do you need, daughter? Everything that is on your heart, God cares about. See, and here's the beautiful part of that. God is a perfect father. So, I understand that even right now when I'm talking about a father heart of God, some people in this room are like, I don't, I mean, my dad never even told me I loved him. Like, I don't really understand. You know what I mean? There's a disconnect. Like, but I had an abusive father and God's supposed to be the father. Like I I don't want that relate. No, he's the perfect father. So where we've fallen short as humans, He can bring restoration. See, some of you guys need to hear me because some of you in here wrestle with the idea of I don't know how I'm going to be a good parent because I didn't have one to teach me because it's not about your parent teaching you. Here's a father who is a father to the fatherless. Are you with me? And he will teach you in the places that you're short in the natural by empowering you in the supernatural. But we can't be so busy building something that we lose sight of the moment. Use the moments God's given you. I'm telling you right now. Often I I feel like we think the hardest thing in life is to get where we want to go. I don't know about you, but for me, the hardest thing in life isn't getting where I want to go. It's stopping long enough to enjoy the moment, getting there. Right? like. I mean, let's be honest, going on trips. Like, I remember family vacations as a kid, and you know what? I can't tell you a whole lot about those family vacations. But I can tell you the car rides. Think about that. It's not as important where you're going as it is how you get there. Make sure you're using the moment that you have wisely. Because those are the things that impact and change your life on such a profound level. Verse 28, the older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, all these years I've slaved for you. Never once refused to do a single thing that you've told me. And all that time, you never gave me one young goat to feast for with my friends. Yet when this brother, I love it, or sorry, when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitution, you celebrate by killing a fattened calf. A- anybody else? Like this is this is straight family talk right here. Anybody else, you know what I'm talking about? Parents, your kid just did that. Anybody ever, right? Look, right, you get a beautiful picture from school. Look what my our son gave us, right? You get a bad note from school, did you hear what your kid what your son did? Did you hear, right? Like it's so funny when anger comes into the equation, it's always your fault. You need to hear me. Cuz when we allow anger into the conversation, it's always your fault. It's never your fault. You with me? Couples, when we allow anger in the situation, it's always your fault. It's not your fault. You with me? Friends, it's your fault, not your fault. See, it's really important that we understand this because when we allow anger into the conversation, it turns your service, some of y'all need to hear this, into suffering. I did this for you. How many of you did something to show someone you loved them? Did something for someone to show you that you cared about them? And when they didn't appreciate enough, I did all this for you. Your service is now suffering because anger became part of the conversation. I went through this for you. No, I went through this because I loved you. And whether you appreciate it or not is why I did it. Welcome to the gospel. Jesus died on the cross because he loved you, not because what you were going to do in return. You with me? Don't allow anger to turn your service to suffering. What you do for the heart of God to the world around you, I mean, let's be honest. How many of us have done it, right? I served at the church, and I've done this, and I've invested in this. For what? Don't let your service become suffering. See, so often we lose sight of why we're doing what we're doing when we allow anger to become part of the conversation. Well, he's like, oh, I'm not coming in. I'm not participating with that. Right? I'm not going to be a part of that. The father begs him. Nope, not going to happen. Your son did this with your money. Right? Here's my question. If it was his son and his money, why do you care? So often we carry offenses for other people. It doesn't even involve you. I am so mad that you made them mad. They're not mad anymore, but I'm still mad for them. Tell the truth. We've all done that, right? I saw how you talked to them. I can't believe it. (laughs) Like, we are called to be a fully loving family. That means... We've got to stop putting expectations on what people need to do in return for us to be loving. Love people because God loves people. We're the family, no matter what. that's the that's the great part about it. We're family. when you make me mad? we're still family. When I don't want to be around you, we're still family. When you don't want to be around me, we're still family. That's going to happen. Let's be honest. Like, for some reason, we've gotten this idea that church and relationships, if God's in the middle, then they're always perfect. God's in the middle, but he's still working with two people. That means two-thirds of that equation are screwed up. <laughs> so give a little grace and let's rely on a little more love. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It Is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Does that sound like the relationships you have with the people that God has entrusted to your life? If it doesn't, we need to practice being a fully loving family of God a little bit harder. Because God's called us to love people. I'm telling you right now, there is no one in this room whose life was changed because someone screamed at you enough for you to do something about it. But all of us in this room, life was changed because someone loved us enough to take us somewhere we've never been. You with me? We want to reach a world? Then we need to be the fully fully loving expression of Jesus to the world around us. We want to change the world? Be present in the moment that God's given you to make a difference in the people he's entrusted to you. See, we need to stop thinking of it as us trying to live our life and realize every person you come in contact is a relationship. God has entrusted to you to invest in, to release something in you carry something for your world. That is to be released. Oh, I gotta go quick. I got so much. Matthew 22, verses 36 through 40. and I'm not going to read the whole thing, but the short version is love God, love others. Love your neighbor as yourself. See, here's the thing. And, and I can I be real honest for a moment? I think our biggest problem when we hear verses like that is, I need to work on loving my neighbor more. No, you need to learn to love yourself first. Let me ask you a question. Who in here would say you're your, your biggest critic? How many in here, let's be honest, when you do something wrong, you hold it against yourself. How many of you in here have a hard time forgiving yourself, even though you know God's forgiven you? I need to work on loving my neighbor more because when they do something wrong, I keep holding it against them. I need to work on loving my neighbor more because I know God's forgiven them, but I don't know that I can. I need to love my neighbor more. No, you're doing everything to them that you do to yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. See, a lot of times we have a hard time loving the people around us because we haven't learned to love ourselves first. When we're able to see ourselves through the loving lens of God and understand that we can forgive ourselves for the mistakes we've made and the things that we've done wrong, then it better enables you to love the world around you because you can now see them the way God sees them. Instead of seeing them through the lens, of frustration that we put on ourselves. Let's be honest. How many of us probably need to work on that a little bit more? I know I do. I know that's one of the things. I am so hard on myself. And if I do something wrong, I will beat myself up for days about it. Nobody else even knows. How many of you had a hard time giving, giving forgiveness to that person? Like, I know we moved on. I talked to him. We'll be cordial. we're our friends anymore, right? You do the same thing to you you're doing to them. Learn to love yourself and then love them like God loves you. You with me? Be that loving expression to the world around you. How do we get there? Honestly, like everything I'm talking about sounds fairly simple, right? In words. (laughs) But learning to do that is really hard. So how do we do that? How do we live in the moment? How do we use the present that God's given us to impact the world around us and truly love the world around us? Well, let's get in our word for just a moment. Remember what it was? First Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It doesn't boast. How do I improve my moment? Am I in a conversation? I'm talking about myself too much. Am I losing my patience with the people around me? Y'all, all all we have to do is go back to Scripture and practice. God didn't give us the Bible to teach you to read. He gave you the Bible to learn his heart. See, a lot of times we use the Bible like a reading tool. I'm going to learn the history of the Bible. Like, no, that's great. Study. You need to. But don't just study it so you can tell people all the great things you know. Study it so that you can live the heart of God that he wants you to understand from it. There is something that we need to carry to our world, and that only happens when we begin to understand the heart of God for us and for the world around us. See, I think loving other people is the hardest task that we have. Right? It really is because... That means I've got to move beyond myself and how they make me feel to truly love them. I mean, I can work hard. I can memorize the Bible. I can give to the poor. I can help. I can serve. But loving people, that's a hard one. One last verse for you. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1. Sorry, verse (laughs) 2. If I have the gift of prophecy and I understand all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, if I have faith that can move mountains but do not love others, I would be nothing. It's not about what you can build in your life. It's about who you can build it with. It's about the... Relationships God's entrusted to you. It's about the people that God has brought around you. We are supposed to be the fully loving family. Let's be more loving. Let's be more generous. Let's be more accepting. Last blank. If I can get the band to go ahead and start coming back up. Truth with love will mend the hurting and empower the forgotten. But truth without love is simply beating the broken. I want you to think about that for a moment. When we're able to share truth and love to people, we empower them to really be who God's called them to be. But how many of you guys know truth without love can be really brutal? Right? How many of you guys have that brutal friend? We'll call it the friend. Some of you, it's you. That's okay. Right? You got that brutal friend, right? Never mind. I'm not going (laughs) to. And no matter what you ask, they are like brutally honest to the point it's like, yeah. I mean, you could be a little bit nicer about it, right? Does this outfit make me look good? Nope all right, what about this one? Nope. What about this? You don't like any of them because the outfit's not the problem. Like, I don't know. (laughs) They're brutally honest, right? It's like you could have, like, that was the best outfit. Like, there's another way you could have said that, right? (laughs) They're brutally honest. Guys, here's the thing. We have to have truth and love. If we don't, We're simply beating the broken. I'm telling you right now, our world has enough people with issues that are broken and hurting and they need to see a loving expression of God to the world around them. That means they need to see people who are more patient, loving, kind, accepting, building a relationship before we bring correction. This is in my notes, but I wanna hit this really quick. Jesus, when he went to the woman at the well was a perfect example of this. She was a Samaritan woman, and he was a Jewish man. I want you to understand in the culture of that time, he didn't even have to say a word to her. He could have culturally walked up, pushed her out of the way and done whatever he needed to do and culturally it would have been acceptable. But he walked up and he dignified her with a conversation. And then he spoke to her situation. Don't use culture as an excuse to live a life that is nothing close to what God has called us to live. Let's start dignifying people with conversations. Let's be a loving expression to the world around us. Now here's the thing I love. He dignified her with a conversation before he brought any other part. I understand there's a lot of things wrong in the world that we live in. But until people know you are for them, stop trying to be against them. We've got to come together so we can make a difference in the world that God's given us. You've got to be in the moment with the people God's entrusted you to. I've learned as a parent, when I hear my kids fighting in the other room and I storm in and I start yelling at them for what they're doing wrong or the hole that's in the wall now, usually I only get half the story. But if I walk in and I say, hold on, Rowan, what happened? Riker, what happened? I get the truth. No, it's mixed between two different opinions, but I get the whole picture. Stop blowing up in the lives around us and let's have a conversation so we get the full picture. The loving nature of God isn't to blow up on those that he's entrusted to us, it's to protect them. So let's protect the relationships that God's entrusted. I wanna ask you, If you would bow your heads and close your eyes. How many of you in here today say, I have spent far too long worrying about what's not here. And I've missed the moments that I have right now. And today I need to get my perspective right. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you. All over. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God, I pray right now for every person who lifted their hand. God, that we would not be so consumed with where we're going that we forget who we're going with. God, I pray that today you would open something in our hearts and our minds, that we would be more aware of the world around us. We would be a better example of the loving heart of Jesus everywhere that we go. In Jesus' name, amen. Here's your action. I want to ask you when you leave this week, what is a random act of kindness that you can do for somebody? Something you can do that you're not expecting something in return. Go buy a movie and some popcorn and go drop it at somebody's door. Ring the doorbell and run away. I don't care how you do it. Do something kind for someone else. Invest in them. Go to Starbucks, buy the drink for the person behind you, whatever it is. What's a random act of kindness you can do for the world simply to show the love of Jesus to the world around you without expecting them to do something back for you? And if we can start living from that perspective, I promise you we will begin to change the world in a way we never thought possible.